Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading for this, the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, is recorded for us in the prophet Isaiah, the 44th chapter. As Isaiah has to confront the idols, the Lord God is the one who does such, and he asks questions. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is recorded for us in the letter to the Romans, the 8th chapter. We've been in Romans since the beginning of Pentecost, and here we're, we're coming to sort of the first culmination in the, part of the, the first part of the letter. And we have these magnificent promises of God as we look forward and hope to the deliverance He promises, not just to us, but the entire groaning creation. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with an eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. We're in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 13, we're in the midst of a series of parables as Jesus begins teaching in parables. By the way, in Bible class this morning, uh, we have this word at the end. If you have ears, let them hear. 
We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Last week, I wanted to talk about it because we skipped a bunch of verses that came from Isaiah and actually were part of Pastor Berg's ordination sermon. And we're going to talk about how that Isaiah prophecy is fulfilled as Jesus tells parables. And, uh, and these parables are not meant to be immediately accessible. Jesus is hiding the kingdom of God in the parables so that we need to pay attention through faith. Jesus lays another parable and explains it to the disciples. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And the disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. Weeds, the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the coals of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It's so wonderful to see you all here this morning. Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for this day is focused upon Isaiah chapter 44. We're at a time of unrest in the land of Judah. The northern kingdom has been destroyed, wiped away, and now Judah is threatened with the exact same thing. Slavery is imminent. The people will be leaving soon from the land. But yet, despite all this, despite the encroaching fear, through the prophet Isaiah, God gives hope and peace to his people. And this is what our focus is this morning. Now, during my time at seminary, I was assigned to my fieldwork congregation, Concordia Maplewood, where I would learn to interact, lead liturgy, preach, and uh, be a part of church councils and learn what it meant to lead a congregation as a future pastor. Now, while there in that, in that neighborhood, I came upon this particular store. It was a little odd, and from the window, you could see all sorts of trinkets. And it was always busy with people showing up all the time, even after Sunday, 
when church got done. And so being the nosy, curious person that I am, I had to see what was going on. So thus, like the Hardy Boys, I, I went in and I just was blown away. See, it wasn't an antique store. And it wasn't a novelty shop. It was something else entirely. As soon as I walked in, I was met with altars. Carved idols of any god that you could imagine. Incense filled the air, which made it a little bit hard to breathe. And there were stones. So imagine that this is a stone. It sits in my office. It's a carved pillar. See, those stones in there had particular meanings, each with their own understanding, their own colors, where people would use them in rituals. I keep it as a paperweight on my desk, and it serves as a reminder. A reminder that we still live in a day and age where people are so quick and so fast to turn to foreign and false gods and rather place their hope in the promises of the one true God that is actually alive. But what would convince someone to go down this route? I mean, what would it take? It could be a couple of reasons. It might be that they have never heard the gospel of our Lord. It could be that they have left the faith entirely. Or it can simply be people who have faced struggle after struggle. A people who are losing their faith due to the fear of the unknown, fear of the things that they can't control. And honestly, it's not that much different from what is spoken about in the book of Isaiah this morning. And it has plagued the people of God for centuries. See, it's a time of unrest. The people of Judah are living in fear, fear of an encroaching enemy, fear of being driven out like slaves to serve foreign kings and worship foreign gods. And they have every right to be afraid. For the prophet Isaiah has just told them and confirmed that indeed the exile is coming that has been long promised because of these people who have been stiff-necked and unfaithful to God. And see, they won't return in a few years' time, but 70 years. 70 years they'll be gone from the land and living in a foreign landscape with foreign people, foreign languages, and foreign gods. And see, because of this fear, this lack of trust in Yahweh, the God of Israel, the same God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, the land of slavery, the same God who cared for them and tended to them in the wilderness, the same God who's been with them through thick and thin, the same one who called them to be His people, they're misplacing their trust and they're putting it into objects much like this wooden block and praying to that instead. And for this reason, Isaiah records the words of Yahweh. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let Him proclaim it. Let Him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. There is no other rock. There is nothing else apart from Yahweh. 
the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their forefathers. See, with Yahweh there is life. In Him there is salvation. But out there, out there is nothing. No idol can offer life. This cannot tell me about life and salvation. No carved stone or polished metal can bring me hope. And just like this wooden block, that's all that's good for. Nothing. And this is still the same issue that you and I encounter throughout our lives, wherever we go. Sure, it might not be the worship of the Baals. It might not be sacrificing our children for the sake of a wonderful harvest and plant and rains to come to the fields. It might, might not be temples littering the landscape as they once did throughout history. But this issue, this desire to put our trust, our faith, into things found in, ob, in uh, nature, things found and created by human hands, is still alive and rampant just as it was during the days of Isaiah, whom God called to serve a stiff-necked people. Perhaps the best way to understand this is to look at the words found in the explanation of our first commandment in the large catechism, as Luther puts it. Now, I say that whatever you set your heart on, put your trust in, is truly your God. See, the very things that we turn to for hope, for peace, for comfort, anything we turn to that is not God, where we look for the promises that are not given in His Word, where you look for life and salvation apart from Christ, that, that is your God. And the dangerous thing about that is it can be anything. It can be our addictions, our joys, our fears, even ourselves. And just like that store I went to and encountered and actually spoke with a few folks, People were convinced of one thing. They were placing their faith, their trust, their hope in themselves. They were finding comfort and peace in their sinful identity. Not in God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do not become deceived by the false hopes and lies of this twisted and corrupted world. Do not let your hearts be weighed down by the fears of the unknown. Yes, this world will continue to do whatever it can to lead us astray. To have us place our faith and our trust in objects such as this wooden block because they think that this is much more truer than a God that we cannot see. But take comfort in our Lord. Be at rest in His Word. Cling to it. Meditate upon it. For our God does one thing that no one else does. He keeps His Word. And that is the one thing that is different, that sets Yahweh apart from anybody else, from any other God found throughout history. See, He's not bound to certain lands as some of the gods were understood by the people of those days. He's not some spirit in the sky that a rock band sings about. He's not deaf. He's not mute. He's not blind. He sees and hears and listens to what we say. Listen again to what Isaiah writes for us. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am 
the last. That is who God is. He is king. He is redeemer. He is the one who called these people and made them his own. An idol can't do that. An idol can't call you. It cannot bless you. It cannot bring life and salvation to you. It doesn't bring you anything because it is nothing. It can be as simple as just a wooden block that sits on your desk. And that is what sets Yahweh apart from all the other false gods in history. See, even though the people of God were afraid, even though they were afraid of the encroaching enemy, fear of a looming threat, Yahweh still gives them hope. Hear the words of the Lord once more. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. God is watching over his people. He has not left them. He has not abandoned them. He is still with them during this time of unrest, just as he is with them in the times of celebration and joy. Yahweh remains the rock, their rock. And just as the prophet Isaiah speaks these words to the people of God, so too are they still read aloud and spoken to us today. These words aren't empty, nor are they made up by some man, made up by the mad ravings of a dude who thinks he can listen to what this block is saying, who thinks that he can understand what the trees say as the wind passes through them. These are the words of the living God. His promises are spoken to his people throughout history through his prophets. Time and time again, giving his word and his promises. Which we know and are ultimately fulfilled in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sent by the Father to redeem us, to free his creation. To free you and me from the weight and punishment of sin who bought us back at the price of his own life and rose again three days later from the grave. See, no idol can do this. Nothing created by human hands has this power or authority. Nothing can save us from the destruction of sin, death, and the devil apart from Christ. Only Christ can do that. He is our rock. And in Him is our life and our salvation. It's found nowhere else. For there is no God but Yahweh. He is our rock. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.